always like to start with kind of a funny story. And something happened to me the other day that was uh, funny in my own head. Nine o'clock this morning, it feels kind of stupid. But, um, <laughs> but the other day, I was driving somebody else's car. And they had their radio station set on country music. I don't listen to country music. I li I've been listening to Christian music since like 1995, you know. So I haven't heard any of these country songs, but um, I didn't want to try to mess with it, you know, in somebody else's vehicle because, frankly, I, the way they make them nowadays, I don't know how to do it anyway. So I'm listening to country music, and this song came on by Keith Urban. You've probably heard it. I had never heard it before in my life. And the chorus said, everything I needed to know I learned from John Cougar, John Deere, and John 316. <laughs> Have you heard that song? I was just like, I can't believe my ears. Wait a minute, wait a minute. John Cougar, John Deere, and John 316. I never would have put those three together in a category. And I got home and I, like, I had to get on YouTube, you know, and Google it. I mean, or listen to it. I want to see the lyrics. I'm like, what the heck did this guy come up with? And, of course, Keith Urban didn't write the song. But um, I, I was just laughing. I'm laughing. Country music makes me laugh. I mean, it, they tell stories. And that's interesting. I'll, I'll crank it up loud because I want to hear the story. But some of the stories, man, they're nuts. Makes you want to take a baseball bat. And, you know, I don't. I know what to do if he cheats, you know. <laughs> um, and then Luke Bryant. Okay, I only know Luke Bryant from um, American Idol. But he, that guy, he's a party animal, isn't he? Did you know that? One margarita, two margarita, three margarita shot. I mean, as a former alcoholic, I could relate to that. But I'm thinking, he's at the beach, you know, on this floating dock, and they're drinking margaritas. All I got to say is a steady diet of this kind of music would, would drive me right to the bar. I'd have to get the blender out and make some margaritas. A steady diet of that would not be good for me. I don't think that I could listen to that kind of music. And I, I'm not dissing country music. It's not all like that. But here's what came to my mind. I don't think that I could listen to that kind of music for very long because it would get in me. Right? It would get in me. And it, it might start to influence my thoughts. But that's the thing about music. It gets in you, and it stays there. Now, I was, uh, a number of years ago, I was driving my, uh, I took my grandma up to her house in the UP. My mom is from Escanaba, and she, her parents lived there, her family lived there, and my grandma would come downstate to visit uh, her kids and her grandkids and whatnot, and every once in a while, I would drive her back home. And I volunteered to do that because I wanted my kids, I had two little girls, I wanted them to get to know their great-grandma. And so, you know, hours in the car, and uh, we would get to spend some time with great-grandma that they wouldn't normally get. I also wanted to take them across the Mackinac Bridge, because, you know, that's fun when you're a kid. And we crossed it, 
you know, numerous times every year when I was a kid because that's where my grandparents lived. But um, I remember coming back home and, you know, again, Emily and Erica were little. This was before um, Sirius XM. You, you were lucky. You just got whatever kind of radio station you could get, right? So we were coming back, uh, and we were, I don't know, south of the bridge, maybe around Traverse City kind of area or something. And we got, I found this radio station, um, and it was a classic rock station. And I was like, oh, my gosh, these are the songs of my youth, you know. I hadn't, I, like I said, I've been listening to Christian music since 1990. And uh, so, so this classic rock station comes on. And so, you know, I crank it up because I know all the songs. And I know the words to all the songs. They're in here. And I'm singing and... And uh, all of a sudden, I realize what these words are actually saying. And I'm like, why didn't I ever realize that's what they're talking about before? I, did, I know all the words are in me, but it never really registered what, it, what they were. And I had to shut that channel off because I didn't want my kids to hear that. that some of them songs were dirty. And I got these two little girls in the car, and I pick it. I know all the words. How come I never knew what they were talking about? It was all about sex or drugs or something. How come that never registered with me before, and yet it's in me? Music gets in you, and it stays. Those songs, they're still in me. Not too long ago, Linda, I was looking for you at 9 o'clock. I was listening to a radio station, and I heard a song by George Harrison. Now, for all you children in the room, he was in a group called the Beatles. And they came from Liverpool, England in 1964. It was the British invasion. And um, George Harrison um, wrote this song called My Sweet Lord. And I heard it on the radio, and I'm singing it because I know all the words. And, and it goes, you know, my sweet Lord, hallelujah. Oh, my Lord, hallelujah. Rick can't believe I'm singing. Um, I really want to know you. I really want to go with you. I really want to know you, Lord, but it takes so long, my Lord. Okay, so I'm singing, I'm singing. And then the next verse says, my sweet Lord, Hare Krishna. Oh, my Lord, Krishna, Krishna. And I'm singing, and then I went, oh, this ain't about Jesus. <laughs> this is actually about a Hindu God. How come I didn't know that? <laughs> it's in me. And, and, and I have the hardest time shutting that song off in my brain because it's in there. And it's a, it's a Hindu chant. It's a mantra about a Hindu God. I had a retail store. Back in 2003, we lived up in the Gladwin area, and I had a little, uh, I worked as an interior decorator, and I had a storefront. I sold home interior stuff. And um, I had the radio on all day, every day. And... Uh, a salesman came by to, he wanted to sell me a spot on the radio, sell me some ad time or whatever. 
And I was talking to him, and I said, you know what really surprises me is um, uh, all these commercials for Ford trucks, and they're selling Ford trucks with Bob Seger songs. Now, Bob Seger, for all you children, was a Detroit rock and roller uh, who I loved, and I went to concerts, and, you know, I loved Bob Seger growing up. These were the songs of my youth. And um, now... They're selling trucks, like a rock. You've heard the commercial, right? Catchy little tune, like a rock. That's Bob Seger. That was a Bob Seger tune. And I said to this ad man, I said, you know, I, I can't believe you're selling trucks with Bob Seger songs. And he said, you know why, don't you? And I said, no, why? And he said, because it's people your age that are buying trucks nowadays. He said, you're attracted to that song. You're drawn to that. Yeah, it's in me. It's used for marketing. Do you know that um, <clears throat> we are marketed? What The things that are in us, in the day that we live in now, I mean, you can have a conversation with a friend on Facebook about anything, and next thing you know, your news feed is flooded with ads for that thing because the, you're, you're, you're profiled. You're being targeted by marketers based on what your preferences, what's in you. You ever seen that one um, picture somebody posted? It's like 1950, and everyone's sitting in the living room with an aluminum hat on their head, you know? I think they're trying to get better reception or something, but nowadays we do that just to keep them people out of our brains, right? <clears throat> well... I want to talk to you about what's in you. That's really what God laid on my heart today. What's in you? Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of it. So what is in you is going to come out. It's supposed to. Whether it's good or bad, if it's in you, it's going to come out. We're, but we are called to guard our, our hearts and our minds, to give careful thought to our ways, to guard our paths, <clears throat> because what's in you is going to come out. And you have to be careful about what you allow in you. I remember being 14 years old and hearing a horrible, violent story about an attack on a woman, and that thing... What, that story was in me, and it haunted me, and it gave me nightmares, and I battled and battled and battled to get it out because it planted fear. And it's so easy to take in information, data, music, all the things, but it is a much different journey to get it out. It's a battle to get some of those things out. So you need to be careful. You need to guard your hearts and your minds. Now, we were just at a conference the other day, and there was a guy there by the name of Johnny Varekin. You guys probably know him, some of you. He's from Grand Rapids, but he lives in Mexico. Him and his wife, Carla, have a, a, a global ministry He's a powerful man of God, and he spoke to a group of leaders, pastors and leaders. The staff from the church went to that uh, conference last Tuesday, and he spoke to us about the church. And, uh, you know, he kept saying, we're it. 
We are it. You are it. I'm reading a book right now by, um, um, <clears throat> what's his name? Who? Rick Renner. There you go. Thank you. Just flew right out of my head, and I don't have a concussion. <laughs> it's just old age for me. But um, <laughs> Rick Renner, I'm reading a book right now, and he is a <clears throat> powerful man of God. He lives in the former uh, Soviet Union. And in the introduction to his book, he talks about um, the game of tag, playing tag as a kid, and he, and I don't know, maybe they didn't, pl maybe they didn't play tag in Russia, but we did, right? So you know how the game of tag goes. Somebody's it, and then they tag you, and then you're it, and, and then you gotta tag somebody else, and then they're it. Well, in the introduction to this book that I'm reading, Rick Renner says, church, you're it. We've been tagged. We've been tagged for this time, this season, the last days of the church age. We've lived in the church age for all these years, but guess what? It's wrapping up, and you're it. And we have to all grab a hold of that and recognize there's not going to be another. We're it. You're it. I'm it. You're it. We've been tagged. And Johnny Verrican, when he talked about the church, again, he was talking to church leaders, but I, it's time for the church to all get on board. Not just leaders. You know, Paul said, by this time you ought to be mature, eat meat, but you're still drinking milk. Okay, it, the days of playing church are done now. They're over. It's time to be serious about this. We are the church. 2,000 years ago, you read your Bible, Jesus came to the earth, right? God sent him because we needed salvation. We needed a redeemer. God sent Jesus. He came to this earth. He started his ministry at 30. He walked the earth. The church people rejected him. They killed him. God raised him from the dead. <clears throat> he came back to his disciples. He came back for all of us. He died that we might live. But he met up with his disciples and he told them, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. God's going to send his spirit. It's gonna, he's going to live inside of you and you are going to begin the church, the church age. Jesus started it. <clears throat> it's still going on. That church in the book of Acts, still going on. We're it. Don't look around for somebody else who's going to do this. You're it. I think it's exciting to think about that thing which began in this. All those years ago, it began in this. Well, it be, you know, they wrote this, so we'd know. We're, 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 it's still going on. And we're it. It's us. So it's time for all of us to be church leaders. It's time for all of us to be mature, right? And Johnny Varekin said a few things to these church leaders. He said, number one, why should a person set aside his own aspirations? Well, because we're the church. 
Why should a person live beneath their means? You might be thinking, what? Because we're the church. Why should a person leave their comforts? Because why should we adjust, pivot, change, innovate? Because we're the church. There's not going to be another one. I mean, there are churches all around. The church, you understand, is not this building. It's you and you and you and you and you and you and me. We're the church. People aren't going to come flooding into this building because the building is going to attract them or save them. Right? We're the church. And our time is now. We're it. So I ask you today, what's in you? Because what's in you is going to flow out of you. And there ought to be some good things flowing out of you because you're the church. Right? So, you know, when Johnny said, why should a person leave their own aspirations? Now, you may, that may seem foreign to you, but it's not foreign to me. Because I remember, I remember the day that Rick and I were driving down the road in my old Chevy van, and we decided to give our lives 100% to the work of the ministry. And in that moment, we said, well, it may not look like the best idea for the Lopez family, but it's the best thing for the kingdom. And, you know, we put the kingdom of God ahead of our own aspirations. We took a ginormous cut in pay to go into the ministry. Because it wasn't about our hopes and dreams. I Listen, I could have been a lot of things. Pastor Rick could have been a lot of things. But we laid that down. We gave up our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations. I remember being a, a 18, 19 years old, you know, out of high school trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life? I don't know. I don't know. I wish that I had known that I didn't have to have it all figured out, that God had given me gifts and talents and that he'd promised to order my steps and that he would open the right doors and close the wrong ones and he would show me where to go and what to do. I didn't know that. I wished I'd have known that. That my job, actually, is just to stay close enough to him so that I can hear him speak, so that I will hear him say, this is the way, walk in it. Right? I wish that I had waited till I was 30 years old to lay down my hopes and dreams and aspirations. And, you know, when we, the church that we pastored up north had, uh, it had steps like this. There were like three of them, I think, going all the way across. And I'll tell you what, that was the altar. And when the, when the worship team led us into the presence of God, our hearts were open to him. And he moved in us. And he, and and, you know, we would go to the altar and we would kneel down and we would deal with our stuff. I've been trying to get people to deal with their stuff for 20 years, and some people just never will. It's unfortunate because Jesus died so you didn't have to carry that junk. You know, and I'd go up to the altar and, you know, I mean, I, there, from 30 to 60, do you know I had a few problems? <laughs> And I, and I would go up there, and I love you, but I would spend all week talking to God about what's going on in my life, 
in my marriage, with my kids, in my head, in my heart, with my family, all this stuff. And then when the worship team would usher me into the presence of God and my heart was open before him, I would go up to the altar and I would dump my stuff. And I wasn't worried about, does these pants make my butt look big from the back? I wasn't worried about what you were thinking of me. I wasn't worried about if you were going, oh, Diane's up there. Something, she must be in sin. Something's wrong. I don't care what you think. Because when me and God are dealing with something that I got to get free from, it's about me and him. I wish that, and I, and you know, maybe you don't feel this way, but if you do, please, please get over it and deal with your stuff. I would go up there and I knew, sometimes I knew my shoulders were shaking because I was sobbing. But I would dump my stuff at the feet of Jesus and I would get up lighter, freer. I, d I just would trust him. I can't carry this. You're not supposed to. And I'd let him carry it. I would leave it there and I would get up. That's what... Uh, our brother made reference to this morning. I wish that you would. I wish that you would take your burdens to the Lord and drop them. And routinely I would go up there when I would catch myself making plans for myself again. I would go up to the altar and I would say, Lord, everything I am and all I ever hope to be, I lay it at your feet. I want what you want. Not my will, but your will be done. That's called dying to yourself. And we're all supposed to do that. And you know what the really cool thing is? Because God has promised. This was not my motivation, though. I want you to know that. But God has promised to give us the desires of our heart. And so there were things that, yeah, I desired. But I would lay them down. And some of those things he gave me. Because he wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to. We try to build it all for ourselves. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you that you can never build a life like God could give you. You can strive and struggle your whole life and you won't have what God could give you. If you would just die to yourself and let him be the one that gives it to you. You know, one of the things in this book that I'm reading by Rick Renner, he talks about signs of end times. One of the signs of end times is narcissism. Do you know what that is? It's an infatuation with yourself. It's all about me. The Holy Spirit predicted that in the last days there would be an epidemic of narcissism. In 2 Timothy 3 and 2, it says, In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. The Holy Spirit depicts a society that is self-focused, self-centered, self-absorbed, and self-consumed. But it's unfortunate. You know, Rick Renner, he dissects every word and explains the Hebrew and the Greek. And it's very laborious and deep, but so eye-opening. He talks about this kind of love. It's almost a romantic love. It's like a romantic love. That's how much I love myself. 
If I'm a narcissist, I am just in love with myself. If I'm a narcissist, that runs rampant in the last days. But we are the church. It should not be said of us. Johnny Varekin said, why should a person live beneath their means? You might think, what? I spend all the money I get. Well, if you are a wise financial steward, you will spend less than you have so that you will have an excess. And the Bible says that, that we should give to every good work. Now, I remember, I've seen people like this. There's some in every church that have been wise financial stewards, and, and they don't spend every dollar that they get on themselves. And they are able to sow into other people's lives. I remember it was always, seems like, always the same people. They, I remember somebody up north, their dryer broke. Maybe it was a washer, one of those two. And, it, and the, this couple, they heard it through the grapevine somehow, and they came to Pastor Rick and I and said, we don't want them to know, but we're going to buy them some new appliance. And we need their address because we're going to drop it off at their house where they're at work. We don't want them to know. We just want to give. We want to meet their need. And I remember thinking, God, I want to be like that. I want to be a giver. Make me a giver. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a giver. Rick, Pastor Rick was really not a giver. He, you know, I had, he married a restaurant manager and he gave every waitress a dollar. Didn't matter how much the meal was, here's your dollar. Be blessed, you know. I, I taught him how that works, but I, uh, I wanted to be a giver. I was not a giver. I was not a giver mostly because I didn't have enough even to pay my own bills. And there were things that I wanted and things that I needed. And, and I wasn't a giver, but I wanted to be. And I prayed all the time, God, make me a giver, make me a giver. Maybe I was a little bit selfish because I knew from the Word of God that he would give seed to the sower. And I'd heard that if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. <laughs> That's not actually scripture, but it's good. And I thought, you know what? I want to be a giver. Make me a giver. And I'm, I'm pushing this because if you're not a giver, okay, fine. Ask God to make you one. You know what? I didn't even realize because I took my eyes off it that he had done the work until just recently when somebody sat down at my kitchen table and said to me, you are the most generous person that I have ever met in my life. And I was like, oh, me? <laughs> I didn't do that, you know, um, out loud, but I was thinking it, you know, me? I am a generous person? Oh, my gosh. I didn't. I'd taken my eyes off that. But God did the work. He made me a giver. So... Why should a person live beneath their means so that they can help others? Because we're the church. Who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do the church's job if the church don't do it? You know who? Nobody. That's who. We're the church. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be something different about us. Why would a person leave their comforts? You know what I learned? God is not concerned with my comfort zone. Right? You get so comfortable, God's like, get up out of that chair now. 
He is not concerned with your comfort zone. I saw God take a whole church and shake it up because we were all content and comfortable. We were going to just stay and sit. We are a bunch of mature Christians. And he shook us all up. He sent us all out in various directions because we're not called to stay and sit. We're called to go and do, right? Why should we adjust, pivot, innovate, change? Why should we do any of those things? Because we're the church. We have to do. We have to meet the need. We have to go where there's needs. We have to help where, where people need help. You know, the church in the very beginning, if you go back to the, to the book of Acts, you'll see that when those uh, disciples started the church, they, um, they all stayed together and they had everything in common. The Bible says that they sold their possessions. If, if they had a house or a field, they sold it and they brought the money in and, and laid it at the disciples' feet and said, give, give to the need. Help where there needs to be help. We don't do that. We don't live that way. None of us have sold our house and our possessions so that we can help others. But that's, that was the beginning of the church age. I'm not here to beat you up today. I want to encourage you. But that's how the church started. I saw a sister on Facebook ask for days could somebody drive me to the grocery store because my car is broke? And from what I can tell, there was no response. That shouldn't happen in the church. I also talked with a sister not too long ago who in one of the, one of the most troublesome times of her entire life, she called on the church for help, and the people said, yes, we will help. And then nobody showed up. Nobody. How does that happen? We have to do better than that. We can do better than that. We have to do better than that. We're the church. I'm talking to you today about what's in you. Do you have a desire to help others? You know, we say the world needs us. The world needs us. But you know what? We need each other. We need each other. These two situations I just told you, they were in the church, in our church. We need each other. I need your help. I got to hook up a camper. And I've never been allowed to touch any of that stuff. I'm not even allowed to run the lawnmower <laughs> because I might break it. Because I don't know how, because I don't have to, because that's not my job. But you know what? Sometimes we need help, don't we? I know a lady, young gal with five kids, single mom. She needs help some days. There, you know what, there are, we could go around and we could make a list a mile long 
of what we could do to help one another. And I just, I'm not here to beat you up again. I'm just here to say we need to help each other. We're the church. And so I'm asking you, what's in you? You know, I, I, I was praying, you know, when this whole COVID thing happened, I was praying, God, help me, or use me, use me, use me, God. And, and you know, the Holy Spirit brought to mind my neighbor, who is a recent widow. And, and I was like, okay, okay. And then I did nothing. And then he said, and then I'm praying, use me, use me, you know. And then I felt that prompting again. And then I was like, well, you know, they never answered their door. And um, uh, as I'm continuing to pray, I'm just telling to myself, so you know, I'm not just poking my finger at you. I'm like, God, use me. And he said, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit, I can't even get you to go to the neighbor's. So I ran right over there, and she wouldn't answer the door. So I ran back home, got a piece of paper and a pencil, and I wrote her a big long note, gave her my phone number, stuck it in the door, and then I went back a day later. The note was gone, so I know somebody peeked out, got the note. And, um, you know, she eventually did call me. But we've got to do better. I say we. I mean all of us. Because... We're the church, and we're it. So what's in you? Is it fear? Oh, my gosh, where did the time go? I'm almost done. Is it fear? Is it fear that's in you? Because right now we're divided, the fearful against the not fearful. Some people are afraid, and some people are like, don't be an idiot. You don't need to be afraid. I just said that again. Did I tell them that this group that story? Was it the last group? Okay. Um, <clears throat> we're divided amongst the fearful. Who's fearful? Who's not fearful? Right? And, and it's really unfortunate because it's happening in the church. We're just as divided as the world. We think people who are afraid are just ignorant. But I submit to you, if you woke up this morning with a 102-degree temperature and a sore throat and a cough and every cell in your body hurt, would you be scared then? Would you be thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe I got the Rona? Then, then it's a whole different thing. Then all of a sudden, we ain't talking about mass anymore. Now fear rises up, right? I want to come back. I want to... I want to teach you how to combat that. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's the same God we're serving today as the same God we served last year and the year before and 10 years ago. He's not afraid. He's not broken. He's not left. He's not missing out on, oh, my gosh, all this is happening, God. Why aren't you doing something? Well, he did send the church. Same God, same God. If you get afraid, I want you to remember who God is. Same God. He, he was the healer before. He's still the healer, right? You're, you were, you're his kid. You were his kid last year. You're still his kid this year. Maybe you haven't heard from him lately, but he hadn't left. 
He's still God. He still has you. He's still going to give you the victory. We have to remember that. And, and we have to, you know, stop fighting with each other. You know, I, I, uh, I can't watch the news very long because it makes me angry. And I talk to the TV. I holler at the TV all the time. I, I'm like, you know, my mom, she'll lift off her headphones and go, are you talking to me? Nope, just hollering at the TV. Because the TV, the news makes me angry and, 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 and politics makes me angry. And there are things out there that can make you fearful. But it's the same God. So it's in you. Are you full of the word? Are you full of faith? You know, faith without works is dead. So you can be full of faith and still just sit there and do nothing. You gotta, we have to, we're the church. We gotta act out our faith by the things that we say and the things that we do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you a scripture for fear, to combat fear. I taught this to my girls when they were little. And uh, um, in Proverbs chapter 3, if you have little kids, teach this to your little kids. Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 21. And it reads like this. Well, it says my son, but I always read it my daughters because I was reading it to two little girls. Preserve sound judgment and discernment. They didn't understand that, so I would teach them, you know what, learn the difference between right and wrong. There is a difference, and choose right. That's wisdom. Don't let wisdom out of your sight. This verse says, it will be an ornament to grace your neck. Now, because I had two little girls, I'd tell them, it's like a pretty necklace. You wear it. You put it on. Wisdom, you put it on, and it looks good on you. Verse 23, then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You know, when I was a kid, I, my bedroom door was right across the hall from the front door. And I always used to worry that somebody was going to break in the house, and they were going to get me first. Because, <laughs> you know, kids worry about things like that. I didn't want my kids to worry about things like that. I wanted them to lie down and not be afraid. It goes on to say, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And here's one. Here's one for all of you, all of us. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being snared. You know, the, the word, when you have a, it is written in your heart, when you have the word in you, remember what's in you is going to flow out. When fear comes and you have the word in you, it's going to flow out. Not only will it help you, but it will help those around you. Last scripture is Philippians 4 and 6 through 7. Y'all know this. It's very common. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, thanking God. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you hear my prayer, that you're going to attend to it, that you haven't left me, that I'm not too bad or too sad. Or Thank you for hearing my prayer and petition and present your request to God. And then the peace of God that transcends understanding. It's like it doesn't make sense, but you're at peace. It will guard your heart and your mind with Christ Jesus. Your heart and your mind will be guarded with the peace of God. There is no better guard. If that's in you, it's going to come out of you. There's a scripture that says, if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? But you are the light of the world. Right? A city on a hill that can't be hidden. Have you ever flown into a big city and when you come down out of the clouds at night, you see that city and the lights of that city? That's the church. The light of the world is Jesus, but he lives in you now. Now, now is your hour. Tag, you're it. We're it. And you know what? You don't have to know everything. You just, you just have to know something. The, the thing that is so cool about the word is that if it's in you, it'll rise up. And you don't have to know everything. Uh, you know, I remember, um, I remember being called upon for something, thinking, I don't know everything, but I know some things. And you'd be amazed at how God will use you, how the word, the word will rise up out of you, and you'll be able to minister peace, love, joy. Maybe God will call on you to be provision for somebody. Maybe he'll ask you to give up your hopes and your dreams and let him order your steps. And I promise you, he's going to do a better job than you could ever do all on your own anyway. So don't let fear stop you. Do it afraid if you have to. You know, uh, there was a gal that I worked with that was just diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to go. Now, if one of you were in the hospital, she was going to have surgery. If it was one of you, I would have gone to the hospital, or Pastor Rick would have gone, or we'd have gone together, and we'd have, we would have anointed you with oil, and we'd have prayed over you, and we would have believed for you. But... Um, well, number one, I couldn't have gotten into the hospital at that point in time because of the COVID thing. But um, I, it would have freaked her out anyway if we'd have showed up. But um, I saw her at work, and I said, hey, I want to pray for you. And I went, there were a couple other Christians in the room. I went and got them, and I said, can we, can we pray for you? And she, she said, okay. You know, and I anointed her with oil, and I laid hands on her, and I prayed, God, let it be according to my faith. I, I didn't used to know if that was a possibility. I remember my dad was sick. I wanted him to be prayed because I had faith for it, and I didn't know if that would work because it doesn't have to be his faith. But, you know, I've discovered in the Word that there were instances where people came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick. I have faith for you to heal him. Would you heal my servant? And Jesus did on the faith of the centurion, on the faith of that one. So I prayed, Father, let it be according to my faith. Heal her body. 
I laid hands on her. I prayed over her. And I, I wasn't scared because I, I'm not shy. But you might have been scared. But I want you to do it afraid. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Because we're the church. We're the answer. We have the answer. Jesus is the answer. But we carry him. We're the church. Amen? Okay, why don't you stand to your feet and I will release you. I'm sorry that it's 1230. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, Pastor Rick. <laughs> I promise I was right on time for the first service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor that it is to be the church. We're your kids, God. We're your kids. And Father, we love you with our whole hearts. We want to do your will. We want your will to be accomplished on the face of the earth. And, and Father, the, the world needs us. But we need each other too. Father, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would anoint us to rise up, to lay fear aside, to give up our own agendas, Father, to trust you for the future, to lay aside the fear, to stop the judgment. Father, I pray that you would anoint us to do the work of the ministry in this last season of the church age. You've called us for this time. You chose us. You've equipped us. You've anointed us. Father, I pray, I call up that equipment to rise up on the inside of each and every believer. The gifts and the talents that you've given them, Father, let that equipment rise up and cause them, Father, to lay aside fear and timidity and to do the work, Father, that's necessary on the face of the earth, Father, in this time, in this season. We thank you, Father, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You haven't changed. You haven't stopped healing. You haven't stopped helping. You haven't stopped delivering. You're not surprised. You're not afraid. Hello. Is that you, God? We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your day. We love you.